What's up guys, welcome to another episode of the Dream Chasing 101 podcast. Today we have a very special guest um, and we're going to be covering a topic that's quite relevant right now in South Africa. So I'll leave it up to you, Silke, if you can introduce yourself and tell the people what you do. Cool. Hi everyone, my name is Silke. I am the Castlelight brand director. I um, have been in the alcohol industry for 11 years and before that my my parents also owned a bar, so this is basically how I've how I've grown up. Um, yeah, so really excited to chat to you all today. So obviously, this has kind of been a growing concern for the alcohol industry with the the ban that's been reinstated. Um, how has it been as the brand director of such a big company? You know, handling the situation. How has it been for you personally? Yeah, look, I mean, it's been there's been some massive ups and downs, and I guess what um, what people don't always understand is that we are one big family, and that's how we operate, um, especially within AB InBev. So obviously, it's been really tough um, not selling your product, and and the financial repercussions of that is really vast. But personally, for me, what's been what's been extremely challenging is seeing the the economic downfall, I suppose, of an entire industry. Um, you know, the Castellite family, if I'm just going to speak on, on my own behalf, it, it goes much further than just myself and my team. We've got we've got hundreds and thousands of people that touch this brand from um, agencies, uh, you know, talent agencies, creative agencies, all the way through to to the farmers, um, you know, the hop farmers, the guys that, that do our packaging, the glass manufacturers, you know, and then all the way down to the guys that you see on the side of the road, the glass pickers and, and the, the, the guys picking up the product and taking it back to the glass manufacturer. You know, there's a whole there's a whole chain of people here that touch that touch this product and, and all of them are just kind of left with nothing. And it doesn't matter how hard we try to help. Our hands have now just been cut off. And I mean, there's a, a an argument to, you know, that's been kind of broadcasted amongst media and also on social media that you know once the alcohol ban was lifted on the 1st of June when stage uh, was it stage four yeah once stage four kind of kicked in and you guys were allowed to sell product again um, then there was the, the argument that you know the hospitals are being flooded with alcohol related cases um, and it was echoed by doctors on social media as well so do you think that kind of played a big role in the ban that was recently reinstated on the 12th of July? And yeah, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking of, on my own behalf. So this is, this is my opinion that I'm going to share with you. Yeah. Um, there's no way that we can ever say that alcohol does not play a role in, um, in abuse, in violence, in car crashes. It is a fact, right? If you drink irresponsibly then then bad things will happen but that's never been our stance as a business and we do everything in our power to make sure that we promote responsible consumption that's really important to us i guess what was really frustrating when that when those um, conversations started surfacing was that it was very one-sided so firstly there were numbers being thrown around that was never proven okay so there were various things that changed going from level five to level four and alcohol was only one of them so there was a we weren't allowed to drive or leave the house right now you've got more people on the road because you are allowed to move around again so alcohol was not the only variable that drove up if if the said the said amount of of cases um in hospital you know so 
I totally understand the conversation that we had to keep beds open for COVID-19 patients. I understand that. But what I thought was unfair was um, pinning all of that stuff on one variable without having actual data points to prove the argument. Um, and if you want to come out and have conversations like that, then let's look at everything else that will be impacted as well. It's not a, de a decision that you make, um, you know, lightly. Um, and I think that the longer the ban has been instated now, I th the harsher the, the detriments are of that decision. And people can see that, you know. Um, so we've also seen the conversation shift um, a lot more towards kind of pro lifting the ban and I do think it's because people are seeing the, the wood from the trees now. It really isn't about drinking and pushing product. It's a it's a very big part of our economy um, that is just not functioning at the moment and it's not sustainable. Yeah, and I think why that frustration is, is becoming very much a factor amongst public is because, like you said, there's no hard evidence um, that that is the case. If there, there was that hard evidence obviously you would be kind of taking a different i won't say stance but your approach will be in support of that am i right in saying that yeah look like i said we are very much focused on responsible consumption um and you know as as a as the biggest beer company in the world that is that's that's always our our point of departure um you know but we are also adults and we have to we have to learn to to behave ourselves as such you know the 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 solve to an issue like this is not taking it away the solve is educating responsible behavior from a grassroots level you know telling let's if we talk about gender-based violence teaching men that it's wrong to abuse women instead of saying it's not their fault because they were drunk it's a very different conversation that you have you know so i think that all of us play a role in in solving for for a lot of these issues that come up um, and you know alcohol is only one of them but like I said we are very much focused on that we've got a lot of corporate programs in place um, that focus on grassroots grassroots levels education um, you know things that we put our money into and, and we put our put our money where our mouths are um, to make sure that we promote a healthy a healthy drinking culture um, in South Africa, because that is what our products are about. You know, we bring people together um, to enjoy life, you know, and, and to, to come together in a sociable manner, because those things are also important. You know, balance is important in life, and, and our products do allow you to have moments of escape um, and moments of fun with your, with your friends and with your loved ones. So it does promote a, a healthy side, I suppose, from a mental well-being perspective, if it's done responsibly. Yeah, I agree. I think it's almost like uh, when they talk about this issue, it's like we're dealing with children and, you know, everything is, you know, based on the product and we don't look at like the actual people involved. And I think the fact that you guys are taking that approach to educate is, is really important. Uh, with the, the initial lockdown, I think it was 21 days at that time, and you were only allowed to leave your house, you know, to get the essentials. To me, personally, you know, we were on such a tight um, restriction level that selling alcohol for someone to consume in their house almost wouldn't be harmful in any way because I suppose you're not really going to be driving. So 
how was it for you at first hearing that, you know, the, the pick and pays and the checkers and all these places were open, but you guys weren't allowed to sell products? What was the f- initial reaction to that? Yeah, look, I mean, level five was quite a different space for all of us. You know, we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't know how um, hard the virus was going to hit hit South Africa. So I think that we were all standing in solidarity for the greater good, which was to make sure that the health and well-being of our people come first. Um, from a personal view, viewpoint and my perspective, especially in level five, is that I understood that. So I understood that... Um, Sometimes you have to take everything away to make sure that people follow the rules. You know, it was quite a big, it was quite a big shift for us. We didn't gradually go into lockdown. We were just one day we were in and, and that was it. So I did understand the decision that the government made um, for various reasons. I don't know how people cope with with crisis and how they cope with with trauma and that is what this was right for a lot of people this has been really hard to deal with and and I definitely don't want to play a role in anyone's life making this situation harder um, especially if you kind of by yourself and you're alone um, and you know it's it's hard to keep perspective so I do understand the initial decision um, South Africans also have a culture of not following the rules you know, so we and we're all guilty of that. Um, so so I guess it would have been really hard for people to not go and bry with their friends on Sundays or go down to the car wash or drop pop out to the local tavern if we didn't say no alcohol, you know, because because you can people as a culture, we justify things. Um, so I think that the, the, the initial decision was made for the right reasons. Um, and I did understand it. It was obviously really frustrating and scary, but 21 days was something that we could all kind of manage, I suppose. Um, But when it started carrying on and on without any substantial reason why, that's when the real frustration kicks in. Um, You know, and that being said, level five was also completely different. We weren't even allowed um, to produce any product. We weren't allowed to move any product. Um, There were restrictions on the amount of product that you were allowed to keep um, in your your vicinity. Um, And I guess that that was really hard for us, you know, because we had to, we almost wrote off a substantial amount of of stuff that was already um, in the middle of production, you know, and that's, that's sometimes when you think to yourself, is this really common sense? Or is it just is it just kind of made on the whim? I don't, I don't know. So that was the biggest challenge, I believe, for us in level five was that we all understood why the decisions were made, but some of the decisions just had such massive financial repercussions on us as a business, and I'm sure lots of other alcohol companies too, that it just didn't make sense in the long term. Yeah, I think um, at the beginning, you know, there was that whole the energy around the country was so different. We were so together, united. Um, and now as this has kind of gone on, it's almost like we're starting to see that there's not much logic in what's being done. And I think it's just the way it's being handled and the communication around it. What can you say to the people out there who are constantly, you know, have the perception that alcohol is bad, Um, it's going to increase the cases. Can you maybe explain the broader implications of not being able to, you know, operate? So your restaurants, like you said, the farmers, 
like all of these things and how it ties together and how this is hurting our economy. Yeah, look, I mean, I I can't I can't change anyone's mind and and how they feel about alcohol. You, everyone, unfortunately, it's one of those industries where you either for it or against it. Um, but from a logic perspective, I can speak about the the ramifications this has had on the economy. You know, we are one of the country's biggest contributors um, to the GDP. You know, so if we don't sell, all of that money goes lost to the to the actual country right and i guess what the frustration is is that you can see that people are still drinking and they're still getting alcohol so where is all that money going now because it's not funneling back into the economy so all that we're doing now is we're fueling kind of a black market trade here it's the same with the cigarette ban no one stopped smoking right so you're fueling you're lining pockets that and none of that is coming back um, into our country and, and into into the right kind of channels, you know. Um, so that's one thing to bear in mind. It's not going to stop. So all that we're doing is we're fueling, we're fueling um, money elsewhere, which might not be great, you know. The second thing is that there, there are so many different parts of the value chain that people don't think about when they talk about alcohol. So they, they, when we say alcohol, then you think about the AB InBev's, Heineken, Distal, you know, you think about the big corporates. And obviously, that's a different situation because there's lots of other things that are in place um, for us to maybe carry on a bit, little bit longer than the average guy on the street. But it's not us, you know, it's not just us alone. It's all the restaurants. If you think about the hospitality industry, they don't make their money um, from selling food. You know, their margins sit sits in alcohol unfortunately so they have had there's been tremendous tremendous um num a number of of outlets closing down um because of because of the ban if you think about the informal settlements um the taverns the shabines those are like more than more than 60 percent of taverns are owned by females so it's actually a massive female empowerment um, space in south africa where women run and own their own businesses and those women generally also look after 20 other people you know it's not just the immediate family that's now being impacted by no by no income so that has been that has been really really sad to see um play out like I said, other things that go into products are the glass manufacturers, the labels. You know, these guys lose on average, I think, 8 million rand a day was the stat that I saw if, the, if their furnaces aren't running. You know, so you can't keep people employed if you are running at a loss of 8 million rand a day, you know. Um, and then even all the way down. So the, the glass pickers, those guys, that's also like a 10 million rand industry a month, which we don't even think about, you know. So if there's no glass for them to pick, they're not getting paid by the glass manufacturers. So, so there's lots of different, um, different little pockets of people here that are really suffering. You know, if we've got, we work with a, an immense amount of agencies. It's also small businesses, um, you know, across the country. And these guys have had no, have had no income from us as well over the last five months. Um, the farmers all the way down in, in the eastern, eastern and western Cape, our hop farmers, there's also a big, like, let's like small, small farm holdings that we all, that we work with, you know, so if, if we are not brewing beer, we're not buying hops, and then there's nothing to sell um, from their perspective. So it really has been, it has been tough on a lot of people. And um, 
I guess that the, those are the things that you don't see. You know, you just, if you're going to choose to focus on the negative sides of alcohol, which there are many of, so I'm not saying it's not there, then you're going to lose all the other sides of the story that is maybe not so negative. You know, we do play a big role in the economy of the country um, in empowering empowering people to own their own businesses and grow, um, you know, through the channels. And if we aren't able to do that, it's really hard for, for smaller businesses to survive. And, yeah, I think that's kind of the main thing. It's like there are negatives, but there's negatives with every single thing that you look at. And it's almost like they just put alcohol on the negative side only. You know, they don't look at the other, you know, the things that you just highlighted. What... Um, when the ban was reinstated, it was reinstated with immediate effect. So you guys didn't have a warning, anything of that sort. How did that kind of affect, again, the, the operations, especially, you know, talking uh, with your experience there? How did that kind of halt everything and, and affect um, the way you guys run your business? Yeah, look, I mean, that was quite scary, right? None of us had a heads up. We didn't know it was coming um, things had to be cancelled and stopped immediately. So we lost a lot of, we, we did lose a lot of money um, going into the second ban. We lost a lot of money, um, things that, that we can't expect people, suppliers to pay us back because how must they do that? Um, but also think about liquor stores, you know, tavern owners. They just ordered their weekly supply of beer. It's, I'm making up the number, it's 50,000 rands worth of stock that's sitting on the floor. They can't sell it and they can't move it. So they have now taken the little bit of income that they had and it's now all stuck in product on the floor, yeah. you know? So, so that is, that's, that's, I think that that was the worst, the worst part out of the second, the second lockdown. Obviously for us, it was, it was really challenging. Um, and it was, it was a complete surprise and it does knock you for a six a little bit, you know, it kind of, it's like a gut punch and that nothing that you do matters. Um, to the decisions at the end of the day but i think that there were a lot of smaller smaller businesses and outlet owners that were that were hit much harder um and no one really thought about uh, thought about what that would mean to them um you know and i mean we also speak on it from an ab InBev perspective we really tried to to play our part in the bigger picture here you know so we made millions of liters of hand sanitizer we um we donated face shields that we made from our from our crates um we changed all of our marketing to responsible messaging so we didn't go dark most other alcohol comp companies stopped completely they stopped um even speaking yeah. to consumers we didn't stop you know we made sure that we that we continued speaking but that our message was one of responsible behavior not even consumption because there wasn't beer but like stay at home be safe you know here's some cool things for you to do while you're at home so we really did try to play a positive role in the crisis that all of us faced and i guess what was what was really hard for us was that we listened um, and we really did try to work to work alongside the government with our consumer safety as the number one priority and and um yeah we weren't really extended extended any sort of courtesy going into the second lockdown which has had some really some really um detrimental effects on our business and our, our suppliers and the rest of our family and just to give perspective to people out there i mean there's a lot of talk now of both the cigarette and alcohol ban being uplifted and there's a lot of pressure being applied from the public as well and from 
Um, obviously, in the Western Cape, they're kind of trying to, you know, push the needle because they're seeing this negative impact on the economy because they understand the role that you guys play. Um, what's next for you guys, especially from the brand perspective? I know you, you've just mentioned uh, responsible, you know, messages and those kind of things, but where to now? How are you guys handling, you know, the 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 next few weeks? Yeah, look, I mean, we've obviously had to completely reshape our plan um, for the rest of the year. Um, and that's because budget cuts and, and you know, timings and the, the world has changed and people's realities have changed. And, and it's our responsibility to make sure that we we tell the right stories and we champion the right messages in this in these times. So what you set out to do in January this year is most likely not going to be relevant anymore. Um, so we, we've had to kind of take a step back, completely rework our plans for the rest of the year. Um, make sure that that what we do do and what we do choose to spend money on promotes the right behavior um, and that's that's what we've been focusing on as as a brand so we've got some cool things lined up when the band lifts um, you know and going into summer um, but like I said you know you can't you can't expect your plans to stay the same if you haven't sold your product for a third of of your of your year you know of your annual of your of your annual year so so it has been quite challenging kind of working, reworking, working, reworking, but we are we are agile and we are such an amazing and such an amazing company to work for with with really phenomenal brands, you know, brands that people love and brands that stand for something. And I guess that that would that it will enable us to fall back into some sort of narrative and make sure that we bring some moments of light to consumers. You know, that is what 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 beer is supposed to be about. It's a it's a very social product um it's something that you consume when you are in a in a in a space of enjoying the moment you know it's not it's supposed to make life better it's not supposed to make life harder and we don't want to lose sight of that role that we play to to our consumers so once we get into a space where we are able to operate fully again um that is what our point of departure will be it will make sure that we promote the right the right messages but we want consumers to take some time out to enjoy, you know, the moments that they have that they can enjoy, um, obviously in a in a balanced and responsible way. Um, so there's some cool things coming up and some exciting things from the Casa Light brand, but uh, yeah, we'll wait and see for that. See <laughs> see when we get out of this. Well, hopefully um, the government kind of comes to their senses, and you know, th- there's various ways that this can be managed and could have been managed. You know whether it being um, a shorter time period to to purchase alcohol, maybe two days a week or something. There could have been some sort of you know adjustment to make it work for everyone, and hopefully you know this gets uplifted and people can get back to work and you know providing for their families. Um, just want to say thank you for oh go for it go for it sorry no no I just wanted to say yeah you know I know that there's a lot of frustration but. None of us could have planned for this situation, and I do believe that that um, or I would like to believe that that people did the best with the information that they had, you know. But but now the information is starting to show something different, so we have to make sure that we adapt um, with with people's livelihoods in mind. Yeah, I think um, as long as you know people can put food on the on on the table, I think that that should be kind of our main 
priority, especially during a time like this. But I just want to say thank you for making time. Um, obviously, this is a busy time for you guys, um, just kind of managing the whole situation. So thank you so much. And um, I'll hopefully chat to you soon on the podcast again. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it.